Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today are dedicated for the Rufuashilema of Gamliel ben Bahir by the Mavora family. We're hoping and wishing and praying uh, to hear good news and Rufuashilema bikarov mamash. El narifana lo, el narifana lo, el narifana lo. Breakfast in the class are dedicated also in honor of Ari Shanzer, Ariel Mordechai ben Ayal Simon, by his wife and daughters. <clears throat> Look at that. Beautiful when someone, uh, the dedications that they do for their family are for the sake of Torah. That's the present that they get them uh, the, uh, the, and the way that they show them uh, honor and happy birthday wishes. Ashrech el kechem. Breakfast in the class are dedicated to Nishmat, our beloved father, Rabbi Meir, Ben Rabbi Kutiel, and Javier. Uh, on the third year, yard site, 16th of Avs, 5781, by the Basal family. Uh, and finally, the week of cold brew is dedicated in loving memory of Sam Yisayed. Sponsored by his son, Isaac Syed. My friends, our parasha begins with a very interesting expression. And I prayed, I begged God to let me into the land of Israel. <clears throat> and God says, Moshe says to God, <clears throat> Let me cross over, let me come into Israel and see the land that you're going to give to your children. Moshe is not asking for much. He's not asking to be the prime minister. He's not asking to be the president of Israel. He's not asking to be in a rotation with Bibi Netanyahu. What Moshe Rabbeinu was asking for is, Eberana, I just want to pass through. Just let me go into Israel. I want the mitzvot, hatiluyot ba'aretz, the mitzvot that a person can achieve only in Israel. And, and those, I feel like I'm missing them. By the way, as a side note, a while ago I mentioned that there's an opportunity to own a piece in Eretz Israel and fulfill all the mitzvot of the land of Eretz Israel by owning a small piece of the land in which they take care of Shemitah, Leket, Shekha, Pe'ah, all the various mitzvot that a person can do with the land of Eretz Israel. And people came to ask me, um, can you remind me where I could do this? And I couldn't find the proper person to do it pro uh, in the right way. And now actually I have a, uh, a direct connection to be able to do it. If anyone would like to, you're more than welcome to message me and I'll uh, let you know how you acquire a tiny but significant piece of Eretz Yisrael so that you can fulfill the mitzvot atiluyot <clears throat> ba'aretz. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted. He couldn't have it, but we can. For the small price of, right, etc., etc. Okay. Now, what's interesting to me about this story is I think my whole life I looked at the story of Moshe begging to get into the land of Eretz Yisrael and God's refusal one way. And in this year, I basically had a different perspective on it. And that perspective, it's just, it's got me so excited because it taught me a tremendous life lesson outside of Moshe Rabbeinu, outside of Eretz Israel, uh, in the way we live our life each and every day. Moshe says, please, please, please. And how do we understand? God says, Rav Lach, enough. Al Tosef Daber Elai, stop asking me for this. If you pray one more time, I'm going to give it to you. But really, it's not good for you. Can't have it. What does Moshe do? He stops praying. The way I understood it was, Moshe asks, God denies the request, Moshe stops praying. But I came across the Midrash, a famous Midrash, and I knew, him, I knew it for a very long time, but I never thought of it this way. The Gemara says that Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says that Moshe came to God and said, God said to Moshe, I don't understand you. You're holding the string from both ends. Which one do you want? 
Im eberana, if you say eberana, I have to want to go into the land of Israel, then you have to give up on selachna, on forgive, please. Im selachna, if you, give, if you want selachna, you have to give up on eberana. What, is, what does that mean? Let me just um, kind of pull the camera out for one minute so we can have a little bit of a wider perspective. Earlier, previously in Bible, Moshe Rabbeinu, he witnesses that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the moment of the, distru- of the uh, sin of the Egel, says to Moshe, I'm going to build you up, you're going to become the continu- continuation of the Jewish people, and everyone else, they're going to pay for their crimes, for the sin of the golden calf, they're going to be destroyed, they're going to be wiped out. Moshe says, no, please, no. Erase me from your book. Please forgive them. Forgive the people. Forgive them. Don't, don't, don't build me. Forgive them. If you need to, wipe me out instead of them. God says to Moshe, one second. You want to go into the land of Israel? If you go into the land of Israel, then you know what will happen. You will have achieved something. You will have created something in Eretz Israel that can never be destroyed, that can never be broken. The Beit HaMikdash that would be built in the reality of Moshe Rabbeinu, in the timeline of Moshe Rabbeinu going into Eretz Israel, would be a Beit HaMikdash that could never be destroyed. And if that was the case, then when the Jews would would inevitably sin, like the Pasuk says, you're going to go, you're going to go and lie with your forefathers, Moshe. And this people, they're going to come and they're going to change their ways. They're going to do the wrong thing, etc., etc. So what did God do? He had a mechanism for forgiving the Jewish people. What was that? He poured his anger, his wrath, his retribution on the sticks and stones that were called the Beit HaMikdash. But an indestructible Beit HaMikdash would create a reality where that option or that possibility for Kapara was not available. In which case, when the Jews would inevitably sin, who would be destroyed? The Jews. God says to Moshe, I don't understand you. Which do you want? You're asking me to go into Eretz Israel, but do you realize that if you go into Eretz Israel, that's going to result in the Jewish people being destroyed down the line? Last time I asked you this question, I'll build you and destroy them. What was your answer? You said destroy me and build them. So which way do you want it? Are you choosing yourself over the people or are you choosing the people over yourself? This is the, uh, the bit, the Gemara that I'm quoting to you. What's Moshe's response? Unbelievable response. Kivan since he heard this, Amar Moshe, Moshe said, Yamut Moshe, Moshe should die, Umeakimoto and a hundred like him, Velotinazek Tsiporen Shelachad Mehem, and none, not one of them should break a fingernail. Moshe says, he withdraws. Now, my whole life, again, I thought the conversation was Moshe wants something, Hashem says no, Moshe is like, oh shucks. That's not what happened here. Furthermore, what happened in this story? Moshe had a choice to choose himself or the people. And what did he do? He chose the people. He put the people. He he didn't choose himself. That's not what's going on here. And let me explain what I mean in the guise, in the lens of how this works in our lives. Let's say as an example, you want something. But you know that the price of you getting what you want is going to cause trouble in your marriage. 
Let's say as an example, there's a boys trip. All my friends, they're all going away. I tell my wife, I'm going with the boys. The wife is struggling. She's a 10 and a half months pregnant, okay? She's literally, she has stopped having the ability to walk. She is now in waddle mode. And she says to you, don't go. Don't go. Right? She says, you know, she basically tells you, if you go on the boys trip, I'm going to name this child after you because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right? You, you have a choice. You want to do something. You want to go somewhere. Your wife is saying, you can't go. I don't want you to go. Your marriage demands that you shouldn't go. There's something you need to do for your business. It will bring you tremendous success. But you know what? Going means missing out on a significant milestone for one of your children. A graduation. I don't know what it is. A bar mitzvah, something. You might miss something that, that you can't miss. So what happens? Oh, you know what? Okay, they win. I'm choosing theirs, not mine. A person who lives life that way is a person who's always bitter. Because they always feel like in that fight, in those two choices, they lost. I had to give up this and I had to give up this. I hear this all the time from husbands and wives that come to speak to me. You know what I gave up for him? You know what I gave up for her? I could have, I would have, I should have. And they're always upset about the things that they could not do because of their kids, because of their wife, because of their friend. I didn't open that business only because you were in the same field, etc., etc., etc. My friends, when you chose to not open the business, you didn't choose to give it to him. Your choice was to not choose. Now that means that in your hierarchy of values, one of those values is to make money. One of those values is to have time away with your friends. One of those values is to be comfortable. One of your values is to sit in first class maybe. But you know what? I need that money to actually do something for my child. My kid, they're just married. They're suffering financially. They need help. And I tell them I can't help them. And then I tell them, oh honey, yeah, I bought us two first class tickets to the Maldives. What do you mean you can't help? You just chose a vacation over helping your child. You can help, you're choosing not to. But when you choose to help the child, and then you feel like, oh, I gave up my vacation. Why couldn't you be better? Why couldn't you get a better job? Why couldn't you work harder? I gave up my vacation. I lost, I'm upset. It's not that you didn't get your choice. You did get your choice. You chose your child. You chose your marriage. Now, although that might not have been your first perception of the way the table was set, once you realize which side of the plate the fork is on, now you're deciding which way you want to go. If you could choose your sacrifices instead of be bitter about them, your life would look completely different. It's not that Moshe is saying to God, oh, I can't go to Israel. It's Moshe saying, I choose the Jews instead of Israel. I choose them instead of me. And I'm happy with that choice. And I'll make that choice all day, every day. Life is full of challenges. A person is going to have to make these decisions all the time. And I'm not telling you to have a positive mindset and always say, oh, you know what? At least I got this. Not at least I got this. If you had the choice again, what would you choose? If you had the choice again, what would you choose? That means that this is your first choice. 
Would I have rather that my life would give me first choices that carried no sacrifices? Absolutely. Well, welcome to the real world. That ain't how it works. You don't have an unlimited amount of money, an unlimited amount of time, an unlimited amount of emotional, intellectual, and, uh, and spiritual capacity. You have a limited, a finite amount, and you get to choose what you spend it on. So once you choose what to spend it on, you could either relate to that choice as really upset, or you could relate to that choice and feel what a special thing it is. I'll give you an example. It's one of my favorite. I remember years and years ago, there was a knock at the door uh, of, uh, of my bedroom at about 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't get a lot of sleep, so 4 o'clock in the morning waking you up, is not, I'm not a happy camper. Knock at the door. I wake up, I hear the knocking. First you hope it's a dream. More knocking, more knocking, right, more knocking. Eventually I realize it's not a dream. So I do what every self-respecting person does who is married and has a child knocking at the door at 4 o'clock in the morning. I open my eyes a crack and pretend that I was asleep hoping that my wife would think I was asleep and she would get the door. Now, unless my wife is an Academy Award-winning actress, she was actually asleep. So after trying to get out of it for however long I could, I realized that Hazita, she was actually asleep. I wasn't going to nudge her and then fake sleep. That would just be wicked. That would just be wicked, Rasha. I didn't have that kind of capital to play with for Gehinnam. So I just decided, you know, I'm going to go for it. I opened the door. I was like, what's the matter? Why don't you know? It's so early. Why don't you just go back to sleep? You're a big girl. La, la, la. She says to me, I had a bad dream. I'm scared. Scoop up the kid. How old is she? Maybe four years old. I carry her back to her bed, right? She says, could you stay with me so I'm not scared? Of course I'll solve all of your problems, right? You know, <laughs> da -da 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 -da. super dad, right? You, I, I lie down next to her. You know, you start, you've done this, right? You start playing with, you know, kind of smoothing their hair, shushing them, kind of stroking their, their arm so that they fall back asleep. And somewhere, Along the line, I, I shifted from being angry and upset at the door to six feet away in, in, in her bedroom. All of a sudden, I feel like the happiest, luckiest person in the world. That I'm a dad that could solve his kid's problem, his kid's fear, just by sitting there for a minute. Just my very presence was enough to reassure her. How is that possible, my friends? How is it possible that you go from anger to feeling like the luckiest person? It's one that's a treasured memory. She falls asleep. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. The house is pitch quiet. You hear that breathing go back to normal. You feel fantastic. How'd that happen? In the beginning, you feel like someone's imposing their choice, their life, their problems on you. But somewhere along the line, you sometimes get the ability to reframe and recognize that what would I have rather? Would I rather be asleep and she be here crying, afraid in her bed? Would I rather have been woken up? Could you imagine my daughter says to me, after I feel great, she wait, the next morning I come down and she's like, I'm so sorry for waking you up. What am I gonna tell my daughter? No, don't worry. Of course, whenever you're afraid, I'm always there for you. Don't hesitate to come to me, right? Isn't that what we say? 
So you see, when we're in a good place, the way we think of our sacrifices, as we think of those sacrifices as choices we want to be making, our choices, that is the gift of a tzaddik, and that is the slippery slope that Rishayim fall down. What is all this work? What does the Chacham say? What is the work that God in heaven commanded us? He uses Hashem's name. Because you know what? The minute the commandment, the request comes from Hashem, the Chacham says, however hard it is, it's also Avodah for the Chacham. He also calls it work. But it's work that's worthwhile, that's beneficial, that I would choose to have. Like the Pasuk says, and he saw um, that, that comfort, that relaxing, that uh, sleep was good. And he let it lowered his shoulder to be able to take it on. And the Chachamim ask about Yisachar. I don't understand. If it's sleep, why are we talking about lowering your shoulder to lift the burden? Is it work or is it sleep? Is it work or is it comfort? The answer is, my friends, when you lower your shoulder, if you make that choice, then it's menucha, right? If you look at it that way, that's something that you want to take on. You know, when you're in a project or you're doing something you really want to do, the work that you do doesn't feel like work. You have these guys, they're working their, their tails off the whole day in the office, they come home, and what do they do? They start working on their hobby. Now their hobby might actually be very strenuous. But this same guy who can't wait to get out of the office, now he comes back, he likes to do DIY projects at home. He's schwitzing like a chaya, he's got building blah, he's putting the thing. This is what he wants to do. If you want to do it, it doesn't feel like work. My friends, that's what Moshe is teaching us here. Eben Hashem says, Rav Lecha. It's enough for you. Lech lecha means, as Rashi says, go for you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Rav lecha. You have this exactly as you want it. This is your value system. This is what you want. Every parent that comes to me that complains about their child, my kid came to me and he told me he's doing this and he's doing that. I can't believe I'm so upset. And I always say to them, can we rewind one second to the part where you started? Your kid came to you? Your kid believed in your relationship enough to come to you and tell you about something that they're doing wrong or something bad that's going on with them? You didn't find out because you got a letter from the principal? Is this not a beautiful thing that your child came to you to solve a problem? This is something we could work with. The mind shift that happens when a person recognizes that actually, would you have rather your kid didn't tell you? Because you know what? You got upset. What a magnificent concept that we're learning. Rav lecha al tosef daber elai You don't want to be speaking to me about this anymore. You don't want to be praying. And a second Moshe hears that. What happens? The prayers stop. We don't hear another word about it. May we be zocher always to have the fortified mind that allows us to see that the difficult choices are actually the choices that we want to make. Because the minute we get to that frame of mind, the hard work, what do we say? 
bring it on. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.